yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring, boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you, you, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saltalamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. So who got the best player at the trade deadline? Who got the star of the future at the trade deadline? We have our guesses. Yep. Sam Dykstra joined me to talk about a lot of different things regarding prospects. But most notably, I thought, was the thought that the guy that came over in Justin Verlander trade, or one of the two guys, that would be Drew Gilbert, outfielder Drew Gilbert, who came over with Ryan Clifford to the Mets from the Astros, might be the best player of all these prospects who were exchanged at the deadline. Congratulations, New York Mets. And in case you don't know Drew Gilbert, well, he's an outfielder, went to the University of Tennessee, drafted in the first round of 2022 draft, 28th overall, and is tearing it up with his new organization. In 98 plate appearances, hitting 321, 920 OPS, four home runs, playing with his hair on fire. That's how everyone describes him. He's a great guy to watch, a great guy to follow, and you know what? He was a great guy to get if you're the New York Mets. So we want to give this to you. You're welcome. It's the gift. We are proclaiming that the guy, perhaps, that is the most promising of all these prospects that came back at the trade deadline is the guy the Mets got, Drew Gilbert. Let us explain. Here's Sam Dykstra of MLB Pipeline. Well, to go back to a conversation a month ago, you know, that, that was such a fun conversation about you, you telling us who all these guys are coming back and in, in all these deals. And, um, and it's all because it's allowed us to follow a lot of them. And, and one guy that I've really followed is a guy that I want to go into the clubhouse today. I'm going over the Houston clubhouse and ask some guys about it. Um, maybe they've come in contact with Drew Gilbert, who obviously was traded in the Verlander trade. Um, so of all the guys who were traded, I mean, you can, you can mention a couple, but Gilbert is, I mean, the Mets might have found something here, right? Yeah, I mean, when that trade was going down and we were thinking about like, oh, the Astros are getting Verlander back. It's like, well, it's going to cost their top prospect, and that's Drew Gilbert. Like, it has to. There's no <laughs> way they can do this deal without including Drew Gilbert. Um, so that that that's what happened. I mean, he was included. Ryan Clifford was included. It was a high price to pay for the Astros. And I think the Mets did pretty well in that deal. Uh, they paid money to get both of those guys. But, you know, both of them are off to decent starts. But definitely Gilbert is off to an even stronger start than Clifford uh, so far in the Mets system. Uh, right now, he's been playing at double-A Binghamton. He's batting 342. He's got an OPS of 977. The big question mark for him is, like, how much is the power going to play? Because kind of similar to what we were saying before with PCA, he brings energy everywhere he plays. That, that was something that happened at Tennessee. He was a guy who always stood out in the field. He was just energetic, flying all over the place, uh, swings super hard. Like everything he does feels like it's at 110%. It's just, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's listed at five, nine uh, is the power going to be average. It's certainly playing so far. And I, I think that comes from just how hard he swings. Uh, it's more about bat speed than it is pure strength. And that works. It works for him. Um, so, you know, the Mets might've found a center fielder or any type of outfielder, really, you could stick him anywhere. Uh, 
a future outfielder and he might be there as early as next year already at double a like i said already been productive since the trade we'll see how he ends the season but i'm actually headed up to binghamton right after this call rob i'm we're doing the mlb pipeline game of the month up there in binghamton so i'm going to check in on him i'm going to check in on luis Angel Acuna, who they got from the rangers and the max scherzer deal this met system is is remade and gilbert's a key piece of that so I do want to ask you about Acuna. I saw his numbers weren't – they hadn't obviously jumped off the page like Gilbert has. But when you're talking about Gilbert and his stature and his the way that he plays, and I hate to do this comp game, but I do it, do it anyway, who does he remind you of? Is there any player that he reminds you of? Uh, I've heard some Brett Gardner comps um, as a kind of smaller dude who just is always – looks like he's always giving 110% and that's, it's not a perfect one uh, again, because, you know, the, uh, I don't want to just say small guy who's energetic as Brett Gardner, but yeah. I've heard that before. Um, that's the one that I've heard come up the most. And like when that happens, you think, well, Brett Gardner wasn't a great player. Like, so why is Drew Gilbert a top 100 guy? But Brett Gardner had a long career. And he, he was, he was a good player. That's the thing. He was a good player for a yeah. long time. Like yeah. that's difficult to, to project for any minor leaguer. Like at a certain point, you just take, hey, here's a guy who's going to be worth, you know, two to three wins or three to four wins for seven to eight years. That's great. Every team needs one of those guys. And, and Drew Gilbert could be that guy for the Mets. So, uh, like you said, you're going to go see Acuna as well. So, what's the – and I know that people, <laughs> when these trades are made, all of a sudden, and we talk to plenty of these players because I like that conversation. What's it like to get traded? the pressure that's being put on you. Um, we just had this conversation with Josiah Gray and with Washington, had it with a couple other guys in that clubhouse. That clubhouse is almost made up of all these guys who came over in big trades, you know, the Washington Nationals. But uh, with uh, so with Acuna, like what, what has been the takeaway so far with him? I think it was – he got off to a really slow start. Like you said, the numbers, if you look at them, zoomed out are not comparable to Gilbert. And I think a, a big part of that is just change. I mean, he went from the Texas league to the, to the Eastern league up in the Northeast. Um, it's a, it's a big move. It, there's a lot that can go into that. He's still plenty young. He's only 21 years old uh, having to trade or change teams like that, that quick. So he got off to a slow start. He's certainly come around since um, I think that was just a comfort, comfortability factor um, trying to grow into a new place with new coaches and all that still feel the same way I did about him at the time of the trade. He's a guy who can play shortstop or second base, probably a future second baseman, but could be maybe gold glove caliber there. Um, he's stealing bases just like his brother. Doesn't quite have the speed of his brother necessarily, but has the aptitude to steal bases. He's even talked about they're in a competition with each other to <laughs> see who can steal the most. Um, I think Ronald's going to have him, but I would love to see that competition come to the NL East. And it's uh, it hit first profile on the offensive side, hit overpower, I should say. Still needs to lift the ball a little bit better. But once that happens, and it certainly could as he gets deeper into his 20s, um, again, the Mets could be looking at a solid four-win player at, at second base playing up the middle, which is incredibly valuable. Is there anyone else, anyone else from the, the deadline? Maybe, maybe for the Mets, I don't know. Maybe, but anyone else from the deadline who's jumped out, jumped off the page for you? Yeah, one who I am keep coming back to is Thomas Seguisi for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. He came over in the Jordan Montgomery trade. Uh, not necessarily a top 100 guy, Acuna and Gilbert are. Uh, but when you look at what his numbers have been so far for AA Springfield, he's hitting 354. He's got a 1.153 OPS uh, since coming over. He, he necessarily doesn't have to have that 
uh, change factor that Acuna did. He just moved within the Texas League. So a lot of these places he's playing, he's played in before. Um, it's a level he knows. It's it's one that he understands. It's a league that he understands. Um, but the guy has always hit. He's always been a hitter. He's a career 304 hitter in the minor leagues. Uh, and that's continued so far in the St. Louis organization. He can play some second base. He's not a shortstop. He's probably going to have to move around a lot uh, to, to find a defensive home in St. Louis. But it, the guy's going to go as far as his bat can travel, and it's traveling pretty well so far. I would love to see him get a shot at AAA Memphis before the year is out. All right, and the last thing is is the guy, and this is – I didn't prep you for this, so I apologize – but the the draft, I mean, I'm looking at Dylan Cruz. I'm looking at Paul Skeens, these guys. Um, and another, this is the reality that these guys live in. First-round picks, high first-round picks. Everyone immediately wants to see what's what when it comes to them. What are they doing? It's unfair, but it's just a reality. Uh, has anybody from this draft jumped out so far? Yeah, I mean, I, one thing that I think is jumped out more than like individual players. And th- there have been some, but I think it's just such a small sample to like highlight one guy to being like, Oh, he's doing something completely different. It, it, it's a small sample. Anything is possible out of the draft. But the thing that stood out or stuck out to me so far, you mentioned schemes, you mentioned Cruz, those guys are already at double a, but they're not alone. Uh, Hurston Waldrop, the Atlanta Braves just got called up to double A. We're seeing Nolan Shanuel already in the major leagues with the angels and the <laughs> angels are a separate story. We could go an hour on what the Angels do with their draft picks uh, and what they're doing with their organization as a whole right now. But uh, one thing that we were talking about a lot this summer about the 2023 draft is it's one of the best drafts in recent memory, especially at the college level, because that is filled with guys from the 2020 draft who are high schoolers. And because it was a shortened 2020 draft, more guys went to college, more guys gained better skills. And the college group was really robust and, and really good. Dylan Cruz could have easily gotten drafted. Uh, in 2020, chose not to, chose to go to LSU. Now we know him as one of the most prolific collegiate hitters in recent memory, uh, now the number two overall pick. There's a reason why he's at double A. Same thing with Paul Skeens. It's not just like, oh, teams are getting more aggressive. The talent has actually been there. Uh, and the the talent is getting rewarded in the way they're getting pushed. Kyle Teal with the Red Sox, like he's at high A Greenville right now, and he's really productive there. I would love to see him at double-A Portland, and, and that is not something I would have predicted for the Sox at the beginning of the year, that they would get aggressive with a with their draft pick. But, you know, the opportunity is in front of them, and all of these guys continue to answer the bell. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the 2020 thing, man, it's it's fascinating, right? We're going to look back at that, whether, whether it's what you mentioned or whether it's how teams were evaluating these guys, how they were able to scout these guys, the small sample sizes, and also the other thing, um, Sam, is the the guys who were. And I was talking to an executive about this the other day. I would love to look back at the guys who were drafted or not not drafted because it was a five round draft, and who signed as these twenty thousand dollar free agents. Find the most successful guy. Maybe you know. I don't know, but it's. It's it was it was like a, because obviously to refresh people's memories there was only five rounds that year and then after that it became a recruiting frenzy because every player after that you can only sign for twenty thousand dollars so I don't know if anyone jumps out I mean I, there are definitely I know there are definitely some who we have now ranked the one for 
this is just because he just got called up, was John McMillan of the Kansas City Royals. He's now in the major leagues. Um, he's a pure reliever, uh, but he struck out eight over four innings to begin his career, which has been great. He's got a near top of the line fastball, a really, really good slider. Again, pure reliever, 25 years old. But uh, somebody who was drafted in the 11th round in 2019 chose not to sign thinking like, well, it's going to be a normal draft next year. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to re-enter and I'm sure I'll help my stock. Maybe he would have been like a seventh pick, seventh round pick or something, but the seventh round didn't exist in 2020, no. so he had to sign as an undrafted free agent, which is unfortunate for him. But here we are three years later, and John McMillan's a major league reliever and a successful one so far. See, I knew you were that good. I knew that you would find an example for me. So, <laughs> I, yeah, ex- ex- all right, excellent stuff. All right, Sam, well, drive safe. Words that I never thought I'd utter to anyone, drive safe to Binghamton. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me again, Rob.